You're listening to episode 189 of Mid-America Reformed Seminary's Roundtable Podcast. In this broadcast, the faculty of Mid-America discuss theology and cultural issues from a Reformed perspective. I'm Jared Luchibor, Director of Marketing. Thank you for tuning in. Before we get to today's episode, I want to invite you to Mid-America Reformed Seminary's 2023 Center for Missions and Evangelism Conference held in Lansing, Illinois on October 6th through 7th. At this year's conference titled Beyond the Walls, Faithful Mission in an Age of Adversity, our speakers, including Burke Parsons from Ligonier Ministries, Chad Vegas from Radius International, faculty from the seminary, and others, will bring an encouragement to church leaders and lay people alike by focusing on what it looks like to do faithfully reformed, outward-facing ministry together in an age of adversity. Look for more information at our website at midamerica.edu slash CME slash conference. Register today and join us for this opportunity as we seek to grow and learn together. Well, in today's podcast episode, Reverend Paul Ipema concludes his three-part series on pastoral visitation by exploring the role pastors and elders play in providing solace and support to the sick and dying. Sharing insights gained through years of ministering to those facing health challenges and end-of-life experiences, Reverend Ipema once again helps us see the criticalness of pastoral visitation and how meaningful Christ-centered interactions can guide parishioners on the path from fear to one of hope. I'm Paul Ipema, Assistant Professor of Ministerial Studies at Mid-America Reform Seminary. And on this podcast, I'd like to speak for just a few moments about pastoral visitation to the sick and to the dying, uh, and also uh, bereavement ministry. I guess we could include in that as well. Uh, As I've been saying all along, it's important for pastors not to neglect the visitation dimension of pastoral ministry. And I would say particularly with visitation of the sick and the dying, um, it is vital that pastors and elders not neglect this. Uh, Sadly, I have observed over the years uh, a number of pastors who who don't treat that as a, a priority in their ministry or for various reasons don't like to do that sort of ministry. I remember one young pastor saying, within the context of a discussion among pastors, so I'll I'll share this secret with you. He said, I don't like to go to hospitals. There's sick people there. And so it was, you know, fear of contamination, fear of being exposed to other people's illness. Um, Yeah, those can be unpleasant things. But I will tell you this, uh, in my own experience as a pastor, and I have passed this along to many seminarians and young pastors, I find that uh, people in the congregation uh, tend to be far more forgiving of a pastor who uh, has a less than stellar sermon on a given Sunday uh, than a pastor who neglects visitation. Um, I can say in a negative sense, when a pastor neglects visitation, particularly in times of crisis, times of illness, times of dying and death, a pastor who neglects that um, that sort of thing is is often remembered and not with fondness. Um, it can be held against a pastor. I've seen that happen as well, or the very bitter uh, feelings towards that experience. And on the other hand, I can tell you that um, many people are are very appreciative and 
one thing that they may remember more than anything else about a pastor's tenure at a congregation is uh, that element of visitation. Uh, I'm always surprised by that because I think as pastors, we think that uh, first and foremost is our pulpit ministry. You know, the crafting and delivering of sermons is as important as that is. I, I have found over the years that what people will say to me uh, when I'm leaving a congregation or looking back over the years, they'll say, well, you visited me in the hospital. Uh, I remember that. Or my family remembers that. Or you were there with my mother or my father. You were there when uh, so-and-so died, and you just spent the uh, afternoon with us, praying with us, reading scripture to us. Uh, that always is a remarkable thing to me, how how that leaves an impression upon uh, people in our, our congregation. So I would simply say at the very outset, don't neglect that. But when you think about the ministry of, of the word in the context of, of those who are sick and even those who are dying, you know, there are obvious things that have to be addressed. There is a, a sense of, of fear. You know, how serious is this illness? Uh, there can be great anxiety about the future. A uh, person going into surgery, for example, uh, can have great fear. I remember in my own case a couple of years ago, um, having to undergo surgery, and uh, the doctor asked me as I was being carted into the uh, operation room, he says, are you ready? And I said, uh, I guess so. And, and I said to him, I said, more importantly, are you ready? And he said, always, always. Uh, I guess I'd rather have that attitude in, in uh, my doctor or my surgeon than a doctor who says, well, I'm not so sure about this one as I'm about to uh, go under and uh, and face the surgery. So um, th- there can be anxiety. I've seen people who are very strong in their faith in those moments who, who are quite upset, especially those who are dying and they know that, um, you know, what they have to face, they have to face, at least from a human perspective, they have to face alone as they uh, cross over the river, to use that old expression, as they face death. They have to do that all by themselves. And yet, in a biblical sense, we, we know, don't we, that um, we, we don't face it alone because the Lord is with us. I, I remember, uh, for example, in my first ministry, in my first pastorate, um, uh, a widow who had um, been living on her own in a condominium and uh, didn't show up for a worship service one Sunday, and her family was concerned, and so they went to check on her, and here it turns out she had been dead for a couple of days already. She had died in her in her chair reading her mail, and the, the family was distraught. The children were distraught because they felt guilt over the fact that they were not there with their mother, who had been in stable health at that time. She was in her 70s, I believe, and uh, they, but they felt this guilt. And an older pastor said to me, you need to address that in the funeral message. You need to talk about that. And so I began the funeral a few days later talking about the fact that I know that the family, the children um, felt terrible that mom died by herself, but we had to remember the Lord was with her and the Lord called her home. And uh, that put the children at their ease. And a number of them expressed to me their appreciation for my mentioning that. Um, I would also say another thing beyond fear and anxiety, um, I've also encountered over the years 
parishioners who, in the face of serious illness or impending death, will even ask me about the connection between that illness or the experience of dying and their own sin. I I remember a very dear friend who was dying of a a blood disorder uh, similar to leukemia and uh, really caught me off guard when he asked me one time at the hospital, he says, do you think I'm being punished uh, for my sins in the past? Do you think God is punishing me? And again, I think it would be very easy for a pastor to be dismissive of that sort of thing. But I said to him, I assure you, God has punished your sin in the cross of Jesus Christ, and he will not punish your sin a second time. I, I take those things very seriously when a parishioner talks that way, um, because they may be dealing with uh, uh, guilt, even though this, again, this man was a very devout, very godly man, and yet he wrestled with, with that sort of thing as well, about whether God was punishing him. And I think the whole process of dying and death uh, is, is an opportune time to, to minister the gospel to people. Um, to me, the hope and the comfort of the resurrection and of eternal life in Jesus Christ is, is a source of great encouragement to those who are facing impending death. Of course, in the ministry, sometimes we don't have opportunity to minister to those who, who die. Uh, there are people who die very suddenly, sometimes very unexpectedly. And in some ways, that's a blessing to those who die that way, but it is very difficult uh, for the family. And so uh, there, there has to be an extended time of ministering to the family in their grief and consoling them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There may be questions about why. Why was this loved one, perhaps especially when they were younger, why, why were they taken away from us at this time? And there aren't easy answers for that. I, I don't claim, and I would never want to say as a pastor that I have the answer for a question like that. God, in his wisdom, has ordained that this person has been called uh, from this life to eternal life uh, at that time. And uh, we, we must uh, pray that God would give us the grace to accept that and to, to trust that his purposes are good and loving. Um, that's not always an easy thing for people to wrestle with. I also think, and this stands out in my mind over the years, of our attitude towards death and dying. Um, I grew up in the Chicago area, and in the Chicago area, uh, the cardinal of the Chicago Archdiocese is always an important figure in the news. And early on in my ministry, uh, cardinal Bernadine, Joseph Bernadine, was the uh, cardinal in Chicago, and he was diagnosed with cancer. And I recall an interview uh, on television that he gave towards the end of his life, and he said something very uh to me, very strange, which I thought was odd for a a professing Christian to make. He said, I've learned to embrace death as a friend. I think I understand what he meant by that in terms of acceptance, in terms of recognizing that um, denial of death, uh, denial of the reality of what's going to happen uh, will do him no good. He must move forward. He must look ahead. That I understand. But from a biblical perspective, uh, the Bible makes it very clear that death is the is the last enemy. Death is not the way God intended things to be for us. 
death is something in that sense very unnatural. And so we need to remember that as well. Even though we would say, as, as the Heidelberg Catechism says, our death that is the death of the believer, is no longer a payment for sin, even though the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But we know that in Jesus Christ, that debt has been paid in full. And we want to emphasize that to those who are who are dying and to the family of the grieving. I always read uh, from the catechism at funeral services that blessed truth that uh, our death is not that payment uh, for sin. And the question the catechism raises also is if Christ has died, if he has paid the penalty for our sins, why must we still die? And we, we still die because um, that, that is part of the world, the broken world in which we live. But we know that in Jesus Christ, death has been vanquished. And ultimately, uh, we know that our bodies will be resurrected and uh, at the point of death as well, we, we are joined with Jesus Christ in eternity. I always make a point of emphasizing that uh, at funeral services, at the committal service, that we are not simply disposing of the body when we bury the body in the ground, but to use the, the metaphor of the Apostle Paul, um, the body is a seed. And like the farmer who plants the seed in the ground, so we bury those in the Lord who die in the Lord with the expectation that there will one day be an abundant harvest of that glorified body. And I would say the same thing uh, to those who are contemplating their own mortality, those who are dealing with the dying process. And I think it's important as well during the process of, of dying for the pastor to have regular contact with the person dying and the loved ones, especially if there is a spouse involved, um, it doesn't have to be a lengthy visit, an extended visit, but make those visits be there. Sometimes just the fact of being there, being present with them, maybe holding someone's hand, putting your hand on someone's shoulder, uh, having that personal touch, not simply doing things uh, by way of telephone calls or text messages or emails, but being personally there. Uh, says so much to the family, so much about your love and care, and it will help to, I think, to underscore the importance of what you're trying to communicate to them in terms of the hope uh, of the gospel. So I would say be faithful in that ministry. It will, again, pay rich dividends for those who receive your ministry. It will pay rich dividends for your ministry to do that, to make yourself accessible, to demonstrate indeed that that your ministry does not end with pulpit ministry, but extends and is connected with the ministry of visitation. Visit those who are ill, visit those who are dying, give them the hope of the gospel so that Christ may be glorified and we may be comforted. Next week, Dr. Alan Strange, professor of church history, will take us through an introductory series on Christian nationalism. We'll be unraveling its historical roots, discussing its implications, and critically examining the various perspectives surrounding this controversial subject. Stay tuned next time here on Roundtable. 
If you enjoyed this episode on Pastoral Visitation with Paul Ipema, consider subscribing and sharing it with friends or family. Your support helps us bring more engaging content to your ears and helps us foster not just a community of lifelong learners, but thoughtful practitioners. I'm Jared Luchibor. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.